0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Calculine. The Calculine is a free tool you can get by simply going to calculine.com. That's C A L C U L I E N.com. Calculine.com. And it's a free tool that allows you to easily calculate the 45 and 90 day deadlines for notice to owners, liens, and bond claims. No more counting on your fingers to figure out when your notice to owner deadline is or when your lien deadline is. Just go to Calculene.com, put in your information, and we'll send one to you for free in the mail. You'll get it in a few days. Good morning, everybody. This is Alex Barthet. Um, I am a board-certified construction attorney, and today we're going to talk about Credit card chargebacks um, and bad checks, how to deal with them so that you can still try to collect your money. Um, We are missing Ariella Wagner today and the great folks at Sunray Construction Solutions who brought you this seminar, Um, but her contact information is there. If you have any questions, I will show it again at the end of the presentation. So let's get started. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about um the civil and criminal bad check penalties civil being things you can sue someone for yourself criminal being uh whether or not someone could get arrested and go to jail um for these bad checks we'll talk about credit card chargeback procedures i'll give you some tips on how to deal with both of them all right so what is a, a check a check is a promise to be paid in the future um, it's effectively a negotiable instrument, an IOU. Um, cash, on the other hand, is uh, money, uh, legal tender that's effective the moment you get it. Uh, so, because it's a promise to pay, you could present that check for uh, to be honored only to find out that the bank that issued that check uh, has no money in that account. So, the most common bad checks that we see are effectively threefold. Um, NSF, uh, non-sufficient funds, so that means you presented a check for $10,000 and there's not $10,000 in the account. The second is the account closed or account not found, meaning you present a check uh, and then the bank comes back and says, we have no idea whose account this is or it was closed. And the third is a stop payment, meaning that the Maker of the check, whoever handed you the check has gone to their bank and said, "When this check is presented, do not honor it. Um, so we're going to deal with each of those three both as for civil and criminal penalties. Um, just know that a check can be dishonored thirty and more than thirty days after presentment. Um, what people typically confuse is funds availability with check clearance and those two things are not the same. So let me be specific for you. Let's assume that I give you a $10,000 check and you have $100,000 in your bank. Um, You hand that check to your bank and your bank now makes the $10,000 of my check available to you so your apparent bank balance is $110,000. But the only reason that the bank has done that is not because they know that the $10,000 check that I gave you is good it's they know that if they have to claw it back you have more than enough money in your account to cover the bad check so it's possible that I hand you a $10,000 check you have enough money in your account for your bank to make the funds available to you and then 30 days later, it's determined that the check is no good, or um, I have put a stop payment on it, and as such, that money now comes back out of your account. So again, it's very important that you understand the distinction between the availability of funds to you, which typically happens within a day or two, and a check being uh, fully cleared, which can take uh, 30 plus days. Um, The penalty for passing a bad check, as I said at the beginning, can be both civil and criminal. A bad check over $150 um, is a felony. So there's the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony, a felony being a much more severe crime. So it doesn't take a very large check to be a felony uh, here in Florida. So let's talk about some things that you should not do. The first, you should not believe that holding a slip of paper, um, the check, is the same thing as having money. If I come to you and I say, "Hey, I, you know, here's a here's a check. Please hold it. Don't deposit it yet. Um, but still, give me my goods. Give me my give me the services that I'm asking for." Just know that you're effectively holding an IOU, and it may not be good. Um, Other things not to do, you should not sign a bond release or a lien release if you are at all concerned if the check may or may not be good. Now we offer a, uh, so what you should do is you should should make that release conditioned on actual receipt of payment. Now we make a stamp, it's called the Make Me Conditional Stamp, so you can go to makemeconditionalstamp.com. And it's a stamp that will uh, we'll send to you for free. You fill out the form and we'll we'll mail it to you. It'll take about a week for you to get. And with that stamp, you can take any paper release that's in front of you and make it conditional. Meaning you take the stamp, you stamp it, it has all the conditional language on it, um, and then you write in in the blank that's on the stamp how much of the check you're receiving. So if someone gives you a release and you want to make it conditional, you stamp it and if you're expecting a $10,000 check in the blank you write $10,000 and now that release which may not have been conditioned on the ten, on your receipt of the $10,000 becomes conditioned on the receipt of that $10,000 so again go to makemeconditionalstamp.com and you can make uh, we'll send you one for free you should not record a satisfaction of lien before the funds clear once you record that satisfaction of lien it is no longer in that lien is no longer in the public record. And as a result, if the check bounces, you're going to have a big problem. Um, You should not accept post-data check. So post-data check is a check that I hand you today, but on the date line of the check is a date in the future. So I give you a check today. I date it for January 1st, 2023, and I give it to you. I say, okay, here it is. I've post-dated it, you can't deposit it until that date happens. Um, just know that if someone gives you a post-dated check that you then subsequently cash and it's no good, there is no criminal prosecution that will likely occur from that. If you agree to hold the check, hey, here's $10,000, please hold the check for a week, but give me my stuff, also a situation in which Um, the police or a district attorney is not really gonna be very interested in prosecuting because you've agreed upon the presentment of the check that you know that it's not good. So what are some of the things that you should do? Um, When you accept a check, if you wish to assert um, any criminal penalties, if the check is not honored, you need to follow all of these steps. Meaning if you don't follow all of these steps, someone gives you a check and it's no good, more likely than not, the police or the district attorney are gonna be uninterested um, or legally prevented from pursuing any criminal penalties against the person that gave you the bad check. So if, if you're accepting a check in person, you need to obtain the following information from the check presenter and write it on the check itself. The full name of the person, the home address and phone number of the person, the place of employment and sex of the person, date of birth, height, driver's license, or state identification number, specifying the state of issuance. Now, I've been doing this a long time. I I don't see anyone putting all of this information on the back of the check um, when the check is presented. It's a lot of work, Um, but again, just know that This is what the district attorney or the state is really going to want to see if you intend on prosecuting someone for giving you a bad check. If you accept checks in the mail, the receipt of the check must have an original contract uh, order or request for services for which the check purports to pay bearing the signature of the check signer. Meaning, if you're going to have... Uh, if you receive a check in the mail you need a written agreement with a signature and that signature needs to be the same signature of the person that handed you the check Um, if the check is returned or marked by the bank as NSF not sufficient funds or account closed um, then you must send the following written notice by certified mail Um, notice that a stop payment is much harder to prove criminally um, than an NSF or account closed check. So here's a copy of the um, notice. And in essence, what this notice does is it says, uh, we notify you that you gave us this check, numbered such and such on this date uh, payable to this person, and it was dishonored. Pursuant to Florida law, you have 15 days to make good on the check and you must pay an extra fee and there's a little formula on how much of an extra fee they have to pay depending on the value of the check. And then it warns them that if they don't make good on this check within that 15 days that they may be criminally prosecuted. Now we're going to send everybody a copy of this presentation um, afterwards so you don't need to take notes, you don't need to take a picture of the screen. Um, We will send you all of this information, Um, and as well, we have our emails at the beginning and end of this presentation, which I'll show you again, so if you have any questions or want another copy of this, just email us and we'll send it to you. So after the expiration of the 15 days, if you're still not paid, then you can report the matter to your local state attorney's office. Um, They're going to want to see a copy of the check that was dishonored. As well as a copy of your letter and certified receipt that it was in fact that that your notice was in fact delivered. How do you find who your state attorney is? You can just Google your city and state attorney's office and it'll find it'll connect you to the most um, to to the closest state attorney to you. Um, You want to look for the bad check or worthless check division, um, because obviously the state attorney deals with lots of different criminal activities. So you want to get right to the people dealing with. Bad checks or worthless checks. However, there is something to keep in mind, and that is that just know that someone who gives you a bad check is probably not the most upstanding person, and as a result, um, they, you know, may not be uh, too. They may be uh, accustomed to having to deal with the state attorney. Also, know that. The state attorney and the police are very busy and, they're, and in most jurisdictions they're dealing with much more significant crimes and as a result, it's really hard to get their attention to pursue a bad check. We have attempted to bring many bad checks to the state attorney's office and unless the check is really big or there's some other unique circumstance surrounding the bad check presentment, um, it is really hard to get anyone. Uh, to do anything at the state attorney's office, Um, just so you know. So let's talk, so those are criminal penalties. Let's talk about the civil penalties. Uh, For civil penalties to apply, you don't need to write all of those items on the check. Um, So all you need to do is accept the check. I do recommend that you get a driver's license uh, of the person presenting the check, because it is possible that the person that's handing you the check uh, had the information on the check could be completely bogus and you'll never be able to find them again. So getting an ID with the check is helpful. Um, civil penalties uh, also apply to NSF, account closed and stop payments, and you may be entitled to uh, get treble damages for these uh, types of actions. Um, We'll talk about when you can and cannot get treble damage. Treble damages are uh, the amount of the check times three. So you potentially can recover as much as the face amount of the check plus three times the face amount of the check. So that's four times the amount of the check plus your legal fees and costs. So you need to send a statutory notice similar to the criminal notice uh, by certified mail um, and to do so, and, and if you do so, Uh, you may be entitled to recover treble damages. That's a prerequisite to suing for your treble damages. So here's a copy of the notice. Um, It looks, as you can see, very similar to the other notice. Um, This notice, unlike the criminal notice, which is 15 days, this one is 30 days. So yes, if you intend on trying to pursue someone criminally and civilly, you will need to send two notices. The first notice for 15 days, with language that is similar but not identical to this. And then you'll also send separately the 30-day notice, um, which again is very similar. It gives them 30 days to make good on the check, pay an additional fee. Um, and if they don't, then you can sue them for the bad check. So again, you can face you can sue them for three for the face amount of the check plus three times the face amount of the check. That's the treble damages plus your legal fees and costs. But as I said before, you know, typically we see that people that are sending or issuing bad checks are not the uh, most upstanding people in society. And as a result, if you're going to sue someone for effectively four times the amount of the, the bad check, but the, there was no money in the account to begin with, then just know that it may be very hard to collect on any judgment you recover later. Now, that being said, we have had success in getting significant treble damage judgments against people that issued bad checks and have been able to recover um, some, usually more than the the amount of the check uh, from the person that gave the bad check. So it's, it's not impossible, but just be aware of what you're dealing with. So let's talk about credit card chargebacks. So let's talk about how it works and then we can talk about what your recourse is. Uh so someone issues a charge or you charge someone's credit card. So what is what's the first thing that happens the the consumer submits a complaint with their issuing bank. Um there's usually a deadline, uh, sometimes it's 60 days, some it's we've seen them as long as 120 days where a bank will accept a chargeback request. Um then the issuing bank verifies that this dispute is valid. This is a very cursory review, just to make sure that it's not a bogus chargeback. Um, so almost always, the issuing bank is going to move forward with the um, the chargeback. Um, the consumer is then immediately refunded the money, and the cardholders bank uh, initiates a chargeback process on uh, the merchant bank. That's you as the vendor, you as the merchant, they go back to the merchant bank. So now the cardholder's bank goes back and says to the merchant bank, okay, we need our money back. Um, So now the merchant bank is gonna verify the request and conduct its own investigation. Again, this is just very cursory, just making sure that the most basic I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, That it's not determining who's right and who's wrong, so it's it's most likely uh, that the chargeback is gonna keep going through this process. At some point, the merchant bank is going to contact you, the merchant, um, and tell you that, okay, we've got this chargeback and they're gonna request information from you. Um, again, it's possible that the chargeback is deemed invalid by the merchant bank and you automatically win. Again, this is rare because it doesn't take a lot to issue a chargeback and have the process move forward. So if the chargeback is deemed valid by by your bank, the merchant bank, then you will be asked to provide documentation to dispute the chargeback. This is when you get to tell your story. And if you provide sufficient proof, the chargeback will be stricken from the record and the issuing bank will remove the funds from the cardholder's account once again. So this means you win, And you get to keep the money. If not, the chargeback stays um, and the funds are removed from your bank account and there's likely some additional fees that are charged against you as the merchant. So what are some of the things you can do to deal with chargebacks? Uh, Stick to the policies um, set by each of the payment processing networks. So you should review or talk to your payment processor, uh, you know what are the things that you need to do? Generally it's obtain proper verification from your customer. Make sure that they sign the receipts and that the name of your business is legible on their bill. Verify that the card has not been is not expired and verify that the card holder is actually who he or she says they are by verifying the signature on the back of the card and checking for identification. There are other things you can do as well. Um, upgrade and use the most uh, the, the most current security standards, like chip readers, if you are accepting credit cards um, on your premises. At this point, it's pretty now. It, right now, it's pretty much required that you have a chip reader in most locations. Try to capture your customer signature digitally and compare that signature to the one. Uh, on the back of the consumer's card. I mean, I, I like you use credit cards all the time. I don't remember the last time someone has ever looked at the signature on my credit card uh, and compared it to what I've signed on the keypad. But that's what the consumer, sorry, that's what the bank wants to do. So wants to to look at. So for example, if it's a, a fraud charge, and it's clear that the signature on the card and the signature that was given to you is completely separate, that's going to make it harder for you to win the chargeback. The other thing that I would tell you is probably the most most significant and effective way to protect yourself is having strong terms and conditions of sale that outline the exclusions of your product or services. that usually are the basis for a, a consumer complaint. So for example, um, if you have a terms and conditions in your agreement that say all sales are final or returns only in 30 days, and then they make a chargeback that are that's in violation of those terms, it is significantly increases your chance of winning the chargeback because it's an easy decision for the um, uh, merchant banks and the cardholder bank to determine, right? It, all sales are final, they're looking to get their money back, and as a result, that's a violation of your terms of, terms and conditions that the customer signed. So you would likely win that um, so long as you delivered the product that you said that you were gonna deliver. So having strong terms and conditions uh, that the customer signs at the point of sale Um, or that are part of your contract go a long way at uh, winning a chargeback. Um, If you have any doubt, you know, you could get a check, you could get a wire transfer um, if you're concerned about chargebacks. Uh, Always make sure that you are protecting your lien and bond rights, even when you accept credit cards. Um, And be very, very careful about signing a lien release if you are concerned that you may get hit with a chargeback and again one of the things you can do is use a conditional release as part of your uh as part of the process of accepting the payment and then again never record a satisfaction of lien in exchange for a credit card payment or before the funds clear right so you record a lien the your customer says oh i'm sorry i'll go ahead and pay you they pay you with a credit card you satisfy the lien and then 30 days later they charge back uh, on your credit card, and now you have a problem. You have given up your lien rights, those will never come back, and you are now going to have to um, sue your customer to recover the money. And just know that even though you may go through and lose a credit card chargeback process, that does not mean that you have no other rights. Um, we have many clients that are the victims of improper chargebacks, they lose the chargeback but then they hire us to pursue the debt because um, they're still entitled to be paid so you can still sue your customer in court even if you lose the chargeback and they may still have to pay you so don't think that the chargeback is the end of the end of the road. Again, if you have any questions, you can submit your questions to me or to Ariella or my email on the screen, alex at barthet.com, b as in boy, a r t h e t.com. Uh, let me tell you about one of the free tools that we offer. Again, um, just like the Make Me conditional stamp, we also uh, give away this Leanomatic, Matic, the Florida Construction Law Calculator, for free. You can go to leanomatic.com and request yours for free. What it does is it's a handy desk tool that will allow you to determine what to file and when to file it to preserve your lien rights. So the lien law is complicated, the rules are different if you're a contractor than if you're a subcontractor on a public job, on a private job, um, on an FDOT job. Those, The answers to what to file and when are on this simple desk tool and again we give it away for free just go to leanomatic.com and we will send you one in about a week i wish you all a wonderful holiday season um, and we'll see you in 2023 this episode of the podcast is brought to you by makemeconditional.com you sign lots of releases in order to get paid and best practices Suggest that you make every release conditioned on actually receiving that payment. How do you do that? By making the release conditional. Now, some releases are conditional when they're given to you, but in my experience, most are not. So you can make them conditional by adding conditional language. You can do that by handwriting it in every single time, or you can go to makemeconditional.com And we will provide for you, for free, a stamp that you can use that will stamp any release with conditional language so that you can simplify the process. So if you want your absolutely free Make Me Conditional stamp, just go to MakeMeConditional.com, fill in the information, and in a few days you'll have your free stamp.